Welcome, listeners, to this Vetfolio podcast episode. This is our second episode in the four-part feline diabetes podcast series. This educational series is sponsored by Beringer Ingelheim Vetmedica, Inc., the makers of Prozinc, one of the leading FDA-approved insulin specifics indicated for cats. I'm Sarah Winoble, small animal internist from Colorado State University. In this episode, we'll talk about diagnosis which can be tricky when it comes to cats. Not only do you need to know what clinical signs to look for, but you also need to know the right questions to ask. Knowing what to ask can help ensure that pet owners are telling you all the relevant information your clinic needs to make a diagnosis. We'll also review the diagnostic tests that are usually recommended. Before we dive in, I'd like to emphasize how important it is to keep the pet involved every step of the way. Pet owners who are not familiar with diabetes can have a difficult time adjusting to the diagnosis and may become overwhelmed with the idea of long-term treatment. Educating owners and maintaining an open dialogue can help owners feel supported and empowered and can make a big difference with treatment compliance. Okay, let's get started. Of course, every diagnosis begins with recognizing the signs, right? When we talk about the clinical signs of feline diabetes, we're often talking about polyuria polydipsia, or PUPD, polyphagia, and weight loss. Urinary tract infection may also be present, as well as an overall general decrease in activity. Let's refresh our understanding of these signs. As you know, polyuria is the production and elimination of large quantities of urine. In cats, urine volume in excess of 40 mils per kilogram per day typically points to polyuria. Persistent hyperglycemia can cause polyuria in cats because blood glucose at levels above 250 mils per DL causes glucose molecules to spill into the urine and act as an osmotic diuretic, drawing additional water into the tubules and leading to a greater volume of urine. This hyperglycemia-induced polyuria, in turn, causes compensatory polydipsia. Another clinical sign is polyphagia which is increased appetite. This occurs in a diabetic cat when the cat's insulin deficiency results in failure of the satiety center to inhibit the feeding center in the hypothalamus, which turns off the cat's ability to tell when it's full. The cat's insulin deficiency results in the inability of glucose to enter body cells and provide energy for the cat to function normally. The lack of energy results in an increase in hunger. Weight loss is another sign, and it seems at odds with polyphagia. However, diabetes causes a catabolic state. The cat's body starts breaking down fat and muscle to use as sources of fuel. So even though the cat is eating more, it's losing weight. And remember, we sort of touched on peripheral neuropathy, also known as diabetic neuropathy, in Episode 1. This occurs as a later stage sign of diabetes mellitus when owners may notice weakness and signs such as abnormal gait or an impaired ability to jump. And they may also notice a distinctive plant-degrade stance, where the cat appears to be walking on its rear hocks or heels, rather than its toes. This plant-degrade stance is a result of the persistent hyperglycemia, causing chronic neuronal demyelination. Another clinical sign can be concurrent urinary tract infection. The urinary tract of diabetic cats is more susceptible to colonization by infectious organisms for several reasons including decreases in immune surveillance directly related to the diabetic condition, as well as the negative antibacterial effects of dilute urine due to the polyuria and glycosuria seen in diabetes. 
diabetes is frequently cited as an underlying cause for urinary tract infections. And one final clinical sign to mention is decreased activity. Pet owners may tell you that their cat seems less active, that he's not grooming as often, or that he seems weak and lethargic. Underutilization of glucose at the cellular level and the negative effects of chronic hyperglycemia can contribute to overall malaise. Okay, now let's discuss how the pet presents in the clinic. You have two likely scenarios. Scenario one is where the owner isn't aware of changes in the cat's health but a routine exam and or review of the medical history reveals the cause for concern. For example, unexplained weight loss compared to other visits. Scenario two is where the owner has observed one of the clinical signs at home and has brought the cat to the clinic because of that sign. With each scenario, your focus should be on getting as much information from the pet owner as you can. This can help you learn more about how long the disease has been present in the cat. In our first podcast, we've reviewed some specific questions that can help you tease out information from pet owners. Here they are again. Is your cat drinking more water than usual? Have you noticed more litter clumps or large clumps in the litter box that might indicate more frequent urination? Is your cat eating more food than usual? Have you noticed any weight loss? Has your cat had any trouble jumping or shown any signs of weakness in the back leg? Remember to put yourself in the mindset of the owner. So when you ask, is your cat drinking more water than usual, follow it up with a more direct question, like have you noticed that you have to fill the water bowl more often? Try to get the owner to give you more than a yes or no answer. The information you're seeking may be hiding in the larger explanation the owner provides when you delve just a little deeper. While these questions can certainly help, it's often difficult for owners to detect changes in their cat's behavior. That's because, unfortunately, cats are able to easily hide the signs of illness. Ultimately, a full diagnostic workup is critical to a definitive diagnosis and treatment plan. Now let's talk diagnosis. Very simply, persistent hyperglycemia and the presence of glycosuria in a pet presenting with any of the clinical signs we discussed earlier creates an almost insurmountably high index of suspicion for diabetes mellitus. However, tests should be run to confirm a diagnosis. Remember to keep the pet owner involved and explain what you're looking for with each of the following tests. Let's start with glucose. Cats, unlike dogs, can have abnormally high blood glucose levels just from stress. Stress-induced hyperglycemia can result in blood glucose concentrations as high as 360 mg per dl in healthy cats. The stress of a veterinary office visit or the mild restraint associated with obtaining a blood sample can significantly increase a cat's glucose levels. So avoid struggling if possible. It's a good idea to repeat the test in several hours to demonstrate persistent hyperglycemia. If a cat is hyperglycemic but is not otherwise showing signs of diabetes, testing fructosamine levels may be useful. This test helps gauge what the cat's average blood glucose level has been over the past two to three weeks and is not typically affected by a cat's stress. Fructosamine level testing may be helpful at diagnosis but usually means waiting for results, so it is often more helpful as a go-term monitoring tool. You also want to run a urinalysis with culture. Assessing glycosuria is important, as we discussed earlier, but concurrent urinary tract infection affects 12% of cats with diabetes, as opposed to the estimated less than 2% prevalence of true bacterial infections among young cats presenting with urinary signs. Additionally, Urinary tract infections in diabetic cats may not present with signs consistent with urinary disease, 
So it's especially important to perform a urinalysis with culture as part of your clinic's diagnostic workup. A CBC and chem profile is also necessary. Assessing whether there are any concurrent diseases is hugely important in treatment. All of us who have treated a pet with simultaneous metabolic diseases before know it's no picnic, whether it's a cushionoid dog with diabetes or a hyperthyroid cat with chronic kidney disease. A comprehensive blood panel not only helps screen for these, but can also help assess whether diabetes or complications associated with diabetes could be affecting red blood cells or liver function, for example. A barren blood analysis value could indicate that further diagnostics like an ultrasound might be indicated. You should also run a T4 test or full thyroid panel. Testing thyroid levels specifically is important because clinical signs for diabetes and hyperthyroidism can share a lot of common ground, and blood pressure is always a good idea. While blood pressure is not necessarily a diagnostic test for diabetes, getting a baseline for a chronically affected pet is important. Also, don't forget FIV, FELV. If a pet has not been tested before, FIV, FELV status is an important piece of prognostic information. Affected cats have a greater chance of developing other diseases or infections, so an FIV, FELV result may change how your clinic proceeds. Now, based on the results we just discussed, other tests may be warranted. These might include full thyroid panel, pancreatic tests, adrenal function testing, and imaging studies of the chest and or abdomen, radiography and or ultrasonography. So that's an overview of the steps we may go through when making a diagnosis of feline diabetes. Just to reiterate one more time, include the pet owner in the process. Let them know what tests you're running and why. This will not only help you educate the owner and encourage them to take an active role in their cat's health, but it will also help you form a stronger bond with your client. Before we leave, here are some important safety information for ProSync. As with all insulin products, careful patient monitoring for hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia is essential to attain and maintain adequate glycemic control and to prevent associated complaints. Overdosage can result in profound hypoglycemia and death. An animal with signs of hypoglycemia should be treated immediately. Thank you for listening. To learn more about feline diabetes, download the other episodes available in the series, including the basics, treatment and monitoring, and diabetic remission. Well, listeners, that's a wrap. This has been the Feline Diabetes Diagnosis episode underwritten by Beringer Ingelheim Vet Medica, Inc. Be sure to catch every episode in the series on vetfolio.com. For more information about ProZinc, visit bi-vetmedica.com. That's bi-vetmedica.com.